Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 317 and it is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. Hey, what's happening, everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, uh, we have all the way from Joyzy, uh, we've not, got... Not necessarily. Philly. 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 Uh, cor- correction. Thank you, sir. Um, we, he is the uh, CEO of the nerd culture production company J1 Studios. He is also the founder of J1 Con, the longest-running black-owned anime convention in the U.S. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary party people everywhere, please give a warm welcome for Jason Richardson, a.k.a. J. Rich, a.k.a. Spider-Man. Hey! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm up here. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Like especially out of such short notice. Uh, over the weekend, I uh, DJed a wedding out in uh, Jersey. Uh, big shout outs to the new Mister and Mrs. Ingra, and then uh, big shout outs to Darnell for hosting the. Um, Dungeons and Dragons premiere at King of Prussia, which is a really nice mall, by the way. And um, I end up, uh, we end up watching Dungeons and Dragons, and I met uh, Jason here, and we just like hit it off like right away. And I'm just like, yo, you need, I need you on the podcast this Tuesday. Okay. Right. I know that was like right on the spot. You were like this Tuesday. We, you were like, what are you doing this Tuesday? I was like, oh wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I made it. I made it. You did. You did. And this is gonna be this is gonna be fun because you got like oh you have like so much going on where I'm just like yeah like this needs to be shared with our world. You know? Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm I'm down. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll talk we'll chat a bit about you know your your work you know what you do and then like you know. Nerd common nerd stuff that we do uh, every week on the podcast, like stuff we've been watching, games we've been playing, uh, sh- movies, uh, shows we've been, we've been watching, books we've been reading, comics, all that jazz is going to be great. Uh, great all, all that goodness, nerd goodness and magic. And we want to give a quick shout out to our, uh, our, our loyal listeners and supporters. Uh, thank you all so much for just watching our show, listening to us every week. Uh, whether you catch us live on Facebook every Tuesday or, you know, catch us on Spotify, SoundCloud or any podcasting platform. Uh, just, you know, thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, listening and, uh, you know, listening to us chat. We've been doing this. We're approaching uh, eight years in May. It has been eight years. Yeah. Since, since May 2015. Yeah. And it, Really doesn't feel like it's been that long that we've been doing this podcast. It, it, no, it has. I'm still stuck on five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, we're approaching approaching the eight year mark in May, and uh, yeah, we're we're just really appreciative of uh, all the support and um, all the listenership, viewerships, and all the all the great guests that we've had as well. So yeah, um, so yeah, uh, Jason, uh, talk to us. Um, you've got a pretty uh, storied resume, from what I can see. I mean, you're not only uh, founder of like, of your own company and uh, and and J One Con, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit. But you're also a director, a comic book writer, uh, artist, radio web show personality, a voice actor, game developer. You have you're like a multi hyphenate, if you will. So yeah, talk to us about like how. Let's go back to the beginning. Like, what got you into like nerd culture as a whole, and how did you get into? How did you work your way into each of these areas over the years? Oh, okay. Um, well. I 
it all started. It all started back. In, um, <laughs> I was like three, and I was going to go to Jamaica to see my my family because I'm, I'm first in my family. I was born in in the states, and back in those days, because I'm a lot older. Uh, back in those days, you could just put your kid on a plane and they'd be good. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, and at the time, you know, we couldn't afford to, you know, have both my mother and myself take the flight. You know, she was, you know, you know, an immigrant. You know, all that stuff. And you know, she was, you know, single mother, doing, you know, working hard. So she sent me to Jamaica to see my family. And before I left, she decorated my entire room in Spider-Man. And I just found out like two nights ago because I was somebody was asking me the same question. And she was there. We were at an engagement party, and she was like, "It was either going to be Mickey Mouse or Spider Man." But she figured Spider Man because it had a little more longevity as I would get older. You know, so if you know when you're like getting older, you're like, "Why is my room full of Mickey Mouse?" You know, like. <laughs> Back then, you'd be like, ah, this is, is this supposed to be my room, or is this like a baby's room? But, uh, like, so she put it in Spider-Man, and, like, I was just, I knew who Spider-Man was, but, man, I was just, like, in love with that room. And I would call, like, from Jamaica, like, how, is my room okay? Like, how, how's the room? <laughs> All that stuff. And she worked at, back then she worked at University of Pennsylvania's uh, bookstore. And now it's this huge building, but before it was like this tiny building on, on the University of Penn campus. And she would bring home comics for me. And it'd be like Transformers, Batman. This is back when Transformers had a comic because of Marvel. Right. And she was giving me that. She got me G.I. Joe comics and she got me a ton of Spider-Man. And I was just reading comics and just got sucked right in. And then she got me into computers and gave me, you know, got me a computer. And back then, computers were older. You know, <laughs> you know the, the Matrix look, yeah, like black screen, green text. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. And I got into computers. And as I got older, with that same computer or probably yeah probably a little bit older uh i ended up finding a book on coding in dawson basic this is still like 80s nine like late 80s early 90s at this point i I skipped a bunch of years i kept that room for a while (laughs) um and i started learning how the codes worked and I learned how to reverse engineer it and take pieces. And I, I, I tested pieces of it, saw how each piece worked. And then I started putting my own the pieces together and changing the values and realizing that I could make my own game. So I started making uh, computer games. And I would make copies of them. And this is when the NES had like just... By this point, the NES had just dropped. Uh, and I wanted to be like... Nintendo. I didn't want to be like a specific creator or anything like that. I wanted to be like the company Nintendo. I wanted to make a series of games. 
So I learned how to make sports games. I figured out ways to make fighting, well, fighting games. Because, you know, we had, like, Kung Fu and all those, like, 1v1, like, kind of action games. Karate champ, Yeah, I'm I'm showing my age. Um, (laughs) And how to put these games together. And I wanted, I started making, like, little cardboard boxes with art on it. Because back then, the NES came in a cardboard box. It did. And then it had a sleeve for you, for your uh, for your uh, thing for your game. Yep, I fact. remember those. Mm-hmm. I, I still have them. I Dude. still have my Atari. I still have an Atari. I have an Atari NES, Super NES, Genesis. Um, there's a Sega Saturn. There's N64, Dreamcast, PS One through everything, PSPs, GameCubes, all that stuff. But I'm like. I still have my yes. the original Legend of Zelda. Yes. Yo, you take like, me back with the Chrome Zelda cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I wanted to be like them. And then at that time, around that time, they put out Nintendo Power for the first time. And I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And so I had a slew of games. And then I started making copies of them with instruction manuals, just like the NES, because they had those uh, horizontal ones. Genesis had the vertical ones, but they were all black and white. Mm. Nintendo's were horizontal yep. and had a ton of art in it, and it was full color. And I thought that was, like, the better manual. So I, I did that with my games and all that stuff. And then I started making a little magazine uh, with, like, codes and tips and tricks, how to beat levels and bosses and stuff like that. And I would sell them in the neighborhood, I would like, at my friends at school, teachers, like, stuff like that. And then I'd have them pay like the games were like a dollar and then you could buy a subscription for like five bucks a month and i would make a new magazine each time and like there would be comics in there based on like the games that i made and stuff like that so i always kind of even that this is all before i even hit 13 like so like (laughs) i always had this kind of like entrepreneurial spirit you know i wanted to create all the time and i was just gung-ho about it entrepreneur at 10 i mean you you already just uh, took me back in our memory lane just with you know the chrome with the chrome zelda you just showed in nintendo power that magazine got me through so many games yeah, oh, yeah. like remember the hotline it yeah. used to be a nintendo hotline you used to be able remember. to call <laughs> and when you called it like it you you ask for certain tips and tricks and they would you know go through a book or whatever they had like some time of like booklet or manual they could go through and give you tips and tricks and stuff yeah i i never called a hotline i wasn't i wasn't allowed to but i, I had to I make do with- to call it once and then i played this game there used to be a game you could play uh it was a show and you could call in and you could play the game on the TV show, but you had to use your touchtone landline, you know, cell phones or anything, and yeah. you could actually control the game. Mm. It, was something, it was weird. It was, it was weird. I can't remember what it was called, but I, I, yeah, that was a thing. Y'all got to look it up. It was like oh, a real thing. Oh. Touchtone video, yeah. I'm, I'm googling that right now as we it was, speak. It, of the 80s, like it, 
yo, after year 2000, creativity just kind of fell off. Because, like, there was, like, all these weird things people were willing to try in the 80s, 90s, and, like, I'll say the very early 2000s. Now every game is the same, you know? <laughs> but I still love them. still love them. Indeed. Uh, and then, you know, I guess by time uh, I was going, I got into, like, there was a point where I was, I was homeless for a bit mm. uh, in my teenage years. And my own, I was still in love with, that was the 90s, so I was still in love with, like, Street Fighter and all that stuff. So I had those Tiger Electronic games. Oh, my God. I remember those. So my book bag, that, that was, like, my whole life, was art pad and, like, pencils and pens, like, one change of clothes, and, like, three Tiger games. One of them was Double Dragon. No, there was more than that. I had a whole bunch. I had Double Dragon. I had... Um, there was a Super Street Fighter one that came with these cards, and it had a card reader built on it. And if you had these like weird card, these Street Fighter cards, you swipe it, and it would give your fighter like different abilities. And I, I yeah, it was that Double Dragon. I had Tech Mobile at one time. Like I was big into that stuff, and you know, I built myself up by. You know, selling artwork as a kid, just like walking through like counties and districts and stuff like that. Yeah. And almost like drug dealer style, I would see like other kids and I would go to one kid and be like, hey, what's your favorite, you know, character? And they would say it and I would draw it up and give it to them. They'd show their friends. Their friends would come over and want a drawing. I'd be like, well, get a dollar from your folks or somebody, and then I'll do a drawing for you. And that's how I, like, made money to, like, eat, like, for the day or whatever. Gotcha. Um, then I built myself up, uh, reunited, like, with my family, all that stuff. Uh, then, eventually, around, I guess, I was going to college for a bit uh, in, like, early 2000s. I was going to Art Institute. I went to Catherine Gibbs because uh, it came with a free laptop. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned how to like mod games and all that other stuff, work on emulators, all that. Um, learned Photoshop. Then, because Photoshop's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, then I eventually got to Art Institute. I showed them my card, one of my card games. So I used to make games out of cardboard, wood, because I didn't have electricity. So I would make games that you could play, you know, you know what I mean? Like games you could play without electricity. So I got into card games and board games and stuff like that. But I based them off of video games that I used to read about in magazines or had, you know, in the past. So I, that's why a lot of my card games and stuff now still play like video games gotcha and i showed them back then with art institute you had to have a portfolio to get in like if you were doing animation or art or something like that you had to have like a hundred page portfolio all this stuff for me i just brought my game and since it was like over a hundred cards i was like there's a hundred pieces of artwork, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and I did the design of the card, so that's graphic design. I illustrated the characters, so that's illustration. I did them in an animation style, so that shows like my storyboarding, storytelling, and animation, quote-unquote animation abilities. They played the game. They called it more administration. They were all floored, and within three weeks, I had classes. Like, they they fast-forward me into things. They were like, this kid's probably a cash cow. And as a freshman, as a few, less than a month in, they had, remember Wizard World? Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Wizard World. Mm. Um, they had a deal with Wizard World where they had this huge booth. And back then, Marvel and DC would be at Wizard World, like right. all that stuff. Their booth was in between Marvel and DC. And it would feature all their like top alumni, like three to five of their top alumni, so that Marvel, DC, or whoever would see their work and pick them up, or like con goers who wanted to get into the field could be like, oh, we could go to that school. They kicked out one of their alumni to put me in there. Wow. Which made me, you know, villain number one amongst the Art Institute crowd because they were like, how dare you? He, he was one of our boys. And like, I was like, not my fault. But with that, I they wanted me to showcase my card game. So they made a giant two by three, like poster. They printed out all my cards, like nicely. Let me laminate them. Yeah. And I was presenting like there with like all these greats and the VP, I guess of sales for upper deck. And at the time they had Yu-Gi-Oh and they were showcasing Yu-Gi-Oh he came over, saw my card game, played it. I was like, this is really amazing. You ever think about selling this? Like, this, that, the other thing was like trying to talk me into selling my game to them. And I was like, no. Really? And they were like, what? And I was like, if you think it's that good, whether you don't like it or just want it off the market, that means it has value. So I'm going to learn how to start my own company and put the game out myself. And, but I didn't tell them that all directly. I just yeah. said, no, no, no. Like, cause I, I, I saw the look in his eye. Like, he, he wanted, he was like, this is, this is something. So, as I was going to Art Institute, and my, some of my professors saw my work and saw the stuff I was doing, told me, he was like, quit this school. Leave the school. Go start your own company. You're already doing what these kids are trying to do. Mm. I was like, what? A professor telling you to quit school. Right. Like, I was like, what? And at that time, I was paying my own way through school. I had two full-time jobs, and the school I was going to was full-time. So I would sleep at my jobs while, you know, I had, like, third shift. Or, like, I sleep under a table, or I would work on my schoolwork at work. So I worked at Kinko's and Verizon. So when you're at Verizon, you're sitting behind a desk, because I was a, like, sort of manager. Right. So I was drawing, I had my computer up, I was working. I, they raised the tuition, and I just couldn't afford it. 
and I was already on like I think the dean's list or presidential list, one of the lists. I had like at least a three point eight, but I couldn't afford to keep going, so then I had to drop out, and I just worked those two jobs full time. Got an opportunity from this amazing businessman who I was dating his nanny. <laughs> I met her through my cousin. She was this amazing chick. I was like, wow, she's smart. She's all, and dude's like millionaire and all this stuff. I was like, you work for him? And I just, I drew some art for her, for the kids, like his kids. He sent her a message saying, hey, can he do graphic design? And I said, I could do anything I put my mind to. Next thing you know, I got fired from my jobs. As, and the last one was Kinko's, because, uh, you know, sneak your own free prints and as an artist. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I still got my, my prints from, the, from there still up on my wall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is like 2005. <laughs> you know, um, they fired me because you know they wanted to get fresh blood in. They fired everybody to get fresh blood for cheap. I did the old half baked. I was like, "F you, f you, f you. You're cool. F you. I'm out." <laughs> Twenty minutes later, I had to walk back into Kinko <laughs> because the 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 businessman, yeah, he had sent me a. a a contract because I did a I did one little gig for him that took 10 minutes he paid me more than I got paid at these jobs I was like whoa and he was like you got to turn around I sent a fax for your new job I was like what next thing you know I'm head of design for the solutions company and making way more like mind you this is early 2000s 2005 right all right yeah I was making 9.30 at Kinko's as a front-end manager, right? I'm in my 20s. Okay. I, 20 minutes later, I had to sign a contract starting at 25 and a half work <laughs> as, as the lead designer, which then, after doing stuff, I've helped design things that were for, like, ATM machines. Like, you know those screen, the screens? Yeah, like with the clouds and the button designs and all that, I designed a lot of those, and I designed my clients were like T. Rowe Price, Bank of America, like all these, and then eventually Apple, like through this like uh, company, and I was we were doing stuff on the iPhone for the first iPhone. I designed stuff that we got to test on the first five iPhones, and then I started making like, mind you. This is still before 2007. This is like 2006 or so. They bumped me up to like 40 an hour on salary with a guaranteed 100 hours, no matter how much I had to work. Because I would knock my project out fast. So it still counted as like 100 hours. I was like a young dude with a hot girlfriend. Working for this dope boss where we were traveling all over the place and like I'm designing stuff for major corporations. I was like, I don't know how long this is gonna last, so I'm gonna do something for myself. Gotcha. I took some of the money, 
And in 2006, on my birthday, I started J1 Studios. So I bought the domain, all that stuff, like, did the whole shebang. And now I have J1 Studios. But I didn't think anybody knew, would care who I was, so I made it a news site that also had my comics and stuff on there. So you okay. go read the news. I would do reviews and news about comic books and games and put up trailers and stuff like that. And then people go there and I'm like, oh, there's comics here too? Then people started reading the comics. And then the comics got big. <laughs> and then I got tribute books from around the world. Like, like I had to make two tribute books of fan art. From a from a fan art of my characters from around the world. Wow. And then like it was wild. And I started like a gaming podcast back in oh nine. Like when podcasts were just Just taking just taking off. And I started a nerd black nerd uh gaming podcast called the Reset Button. <laughs> That's such a good name. <laughs> Yo, and the control, the logo looked like it was red and white to look like kind of like a mock NES controller. Right. Like the T's were two uh, directional pads and the O's were like the buttons. Yeah. So, like, I, I had this whole thing, this whole plan, and I started bringing people in, and I was like, Yo, you're a talented musician. You make these video game remix remix albums. Like he was doing like anime remix albums and stuff. And I was like, Yo, could you do a video game one? Like, let's pick one thing, like Sonic the Hedgehog. I'll do the art for the the CD cover, and you could throw beats and make it remixes of that. He started doing that. We I got married in '08. Like, and everybody in the crew started coming together. We started making. Like J1 Studios, like this whole thing. And it got big enough where we were guests at conventions. We were invited to, um, I was part of the IGDA, which is the International Gaming Development Association, mm. which is like the union for your games right. all around the world. So I got to have sit downs with uh, people from Nadesco, people from EA, people from Sega, people were like, I just started, like, I'm big on networking. So I was, like, networking yeah. with all these cats. And then next you know, I meet the guy who created uh, Rock Band Beatles and, like, the people behind Dante's Inferno, like, like having sit-downs with these people. Wow. And it everything just started blowing up and we just started J1 Studios as a name just started blowing up everywhere and just like kind of took off now people don't remember J1 Studios for it's necessarily it's comics because the convention started getting a lot of traction over over the you know years yeah so how did how did the convention come about uh the the convention well i used to throw random events around like Philly because I wanted places that nerds, especially black nerds could go because I was one of the few black nerds that was like open about being a nerd. Like I'd wear my, you know, Spider-Man shirts and like, I'd be like, yeah, I like comics and anime. 
when people are like, what is anime? I'm like, all right, let me tell you about anime. It's just it's art from Japan. It's just like animation from Japan. It's crazy. They got action, dope stuff. Like, you know. You had your anime, you had your anime button-ups? <laughs> I eventually got those when they came out. Like, I was doing that. I was hardcore about that stuff before it was something you could buy in stores. Like, anime, you couldn't buy in a store. Right, yeah. You had, you had to, like, to go to, like, the ducky spots, like the shady areas of Chinatown. Yep. And, like, you had to know a guy, and he'd be like... Tape trading, tape trading. always in the stuff, back. Yeah. It was, the anime was always in the back of a random yeah. like, Chinese, like, store. And it'd be the weirdest stores. Like, it'd be the store that sells, like, kitchen supplies and, like, household wares. But way in the back, there would be, like, this area of VCDs and VHS tapes. Yep. Of just random episodes of anime. You didn't even know what was on it. You'd buy it and it'd, be, it'd say there was like two episodes of Sailor Moon, two episodes of Dragon Ball, this other anime like Vilgus. Like I used to watch all these like things and I just got sucked into it like heavy. And then I wanted to make a space because I knew there was a lot of black nerds, but a lot of people didn't know black nerds existed. Right. So I wanted to create a space that black nerds could come outside and be nerdy without ridicule from other black folk and ridicule from non-black folk. So I had like a gaming event in Philly called Mayhem Madness. It was like a tournament and cosplay contest and like a concert. And then I joined up. I met this uh, woman, uh, Marion Beale. She was, she had like a thing in the FYE. It had like, she had like 10 people that would just come and hang out with her. She had a little table and a little boombox. And she would like talk about Japanese culture and sing about it and stuff like that. And they would just hang out. And I was like, look, if you join me and the rest of the crew that I've built, kind of like doing some Jesus thing, like follow me. Like, you know, and then. I was like, I can turn this into something bigger. And then I networked around and found rec centers. And I found the Hawthorne Rec Center in South Philly. And come to find out the woman who runs it was black and Japanese. I was like, what? I'm like, yo, I'm all about that black and Japanese life. <laughs> you know? Like, and she was like, this is a cool idea. So then I used to make these monthly events where we would have... You know, show some anime. We'd have about five to ten vendors and all that stuff. Have, like, an area for video game. Do, like, little video game tournaments. Have a cosplay contest. And I would do all these different events. And I was like, I need to really push on this music thing. Because I love music. So I dragged, like, I started networking with bars and stuff like that. And I put together a music festival. And that brought out a lot of black nerds, and I wanted to showcase a lot of indie artists, like local indie artists. So it would be like hip-hop, rock, industrial, like all this stuff, lots of cosplay contests, and video game. I always make sure those two things were always around. And then I felt bad for nerds who missed out on proms. So I created the cosplay prom. Mm. And I rented out a gym, and... I would have balloons and streamers. I'd have a DJ because I was in the music scene 
like heavy. So I'd get a DJ friend, and then I'd get some of my local musicians that I use for the Music Fest and have one of them perform just like a prom. They always had like a live band, like, because I was yeah. always thinking about Back to the Future. Like, <laughs> you know, they always had like a live band performing. So I made all these, had all these different events all around the city, and they were all different times of the year. Like, there was a fall thing, a winter thing, a summer thing, and a spring thing. Like, spring was the prom. You know what I mean? Like, fall was, like, more of the anime stuff. Yeah. Uh, summer would be, like, my music festival. You know what I mean? Like, winter would be, like, the sometimes the gaming events. And after a while, I was like, like, Marion left and went and started her own, do her own thing in Boston. And I was like, well, let me take all these ideas and put them into one thing. And I made Jay Wonka. And that started when 2000... 2012. 12. And it's been the going ever since. was in a sushi house. <laughs> I, 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 I asked this lady to, and from the Philly area, like she had a sushi house. And I was like, uh, can I use your upstairs like as like a for an event? And I explained to her, like, since she was Japanese, I was like, hey, this whole Japanese thing, like, you know, works great because it's, you know, we'd have anime and, you know, like Ultraman and stuff. And then sushi. Yeah. All these fans of anime love sushi. So you would make a ton of money. And she was like, all right, cool. And then, like, I did it. And we had, like, 200 people show up. And I was like, wow. This is cool. And then each year I did it in a different location. You know, I had to, you know, move it because it started to grow well, each year. Right, yeah. So the second year, I put it in this former music venue called The Blockly. It was like a hip-hop venue. Okay. And we had the uh, the second J1Con, and 400 people showed up. And because I was part of the IGDA, I was calling in favors. So I got my friend, who was one of the heads of the organization. And then I got uh, uh, one of my friends, Jason, who was, he was a sound engineer for Bioshock. And I met him through the IGDA. And I was like, yo, could you, like, speak at my convention and talk about, like, your process with, like, Bioshock? He was like, yeah. And I was always hustling and all that stuff. So I networked with, like, Remember FYE? Yeah. Like, so I networked with them, and the managers knew who I was and let me advertise my conventions in FYE. Like, they let me, they would put up my posters, like, in the store, at the registers, like, on the walls. I was like, yo, this is so cool. And then they liked what I was doing. And then next thing you know, we decided to make a deal. And in 2013, I was the first convention that wasn't like a gaming thing like E3 or something like that where you could actually, like we had FYE set up this whole big area where you could, they sold their toys and games and yeah. all their stuff. And you could actually pre-order a system because the next-gen systems were coming out around that time. And I was the first convention to have that where you could actually pre-order your new consoles right then and there. Wow. Like, at the con. Yeah. And this and is just all in the Philly area. Growing. 
Huh? And this is just all in the Philly area. And this is all just in Philly. And I, to to Philly I, I sat there and I would travel all over looking for new venues and all that other stuff, people to work with. Now, I'll give you an idea. First event, 200 people. Second event, 400 people. Right. How many people are you going to bet or plan for financially to show up? You said 800? Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'd say like bank on like 800, maybe 1,000. You're, you're conservatives because I went. I, that's you're, no, not you're not even conservative. Y'all, y'all just y'all out there. Cause I was not. I was doing this all out of my own pocket, so I didn't want to lose too much. So I planned six hundred, maybe if God was going to bless me, eight hundred people. And then at the time, I was like, let me hit up a voice actor, and. I was just direct, and at the time, like Vic Mignano was a big deal and all that stuff because he had like he was Broly, he was uh, Edward Elric, like he was all these you know popular names. I was like, I was like, hey, look, we're a small convention, uh, you know, I'm just a regular black dude just trying to do something for for the for the kids and all that. I think it'd be awesome. I, we don't have a, a big budget. And he made a deal with me and was like, yeah, I'll do it. And he advertised it and all that stuff. Wow. So 2,000 people showed up at this event. Right? Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Because then it's the last two conventions actually got written up in, in the newspaper. Because there at the time, there was no anime conventions in Philly. Right. And it was like. This is some new weird event that's just popping up. And it was a small little write-up. And then the next one was a bigger write-up. That next year, you know, like, I was like, you know what? I saw, I was watching a baseball game. I was at a bar. I was watching a baseball game. And I saw, like, a local hoagie shop had a commercial during during the Phillies game. I was like, how do I do that? So I started searching and all that stuff, like how to get a commercial on TV got in contact with Comcast and all that stuff, met, like, a, a agent through Comcast. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you can do this. He gave me, like, the stipulations of what I needed to do. And I've worked on videos before. So I was like, yo, all right, cool. So I got some cosplay friends together, and we shot a cosplay, like, commercial. And I wanted to show how vast our anime fan base was. So one, one person was Sailor Moon. One person was Red Hood. One person was the Red Ranger. Then we had, like, who else? Oh, I can't think. We had Doctor Who. Like, I wanted to show, like, all my, using my cosplay friends. Who, Just different, you know, fam, you know, different, appeal to different fan bases. Right. And then one was, um, what's his name? Biaris from Appleseed. And, like, I made this commercial and I put it, I got it put on Cartoon Network. Nice. And that's one of the reasons why the convention blew up too. It was like people were watching Cartoon Network back then. So I had it running on Cartoon Network Adult Swim like for like a week or, or two. And 
2,000 people showed up who oh, wanted to be a part of this. Oh, that's that's incredible. Yeah. And since it was the only anime convention in town, I was like, well, I've been here for two years, and here comes a third. So, uh, yeah, we're Philly's number one anime convention. Like, <laughs> when you're the only game in town, you are number one. So I was like, pool, and I put it up there, and people just flocked, and then next thing you know, news groups were coming, because they saw all these weirdos dressed as all these different characters just, like, crowding around this, like, city, like, block, you know, trying to get into this place, and then next thing you know, I'm on the news, like, you know, and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah. and now... We average, I mean, we average like a couple thousand, two to three thousand people that come out and all that stuff. You know, we're no New York Comic Con and all that stuff. Right. But people come and turn up and have a good time because I provide a lot of things. Like, I combined all my events. So there's cosplay to prom. There's a music festival. Like, we have live music throughout the con. We have tons of panels, gaming tournaments. We have... Uh, uh, like workshops, like if you want to get into voice acting. So now we have a voice actor, Greg Hauser, who comes in and does like a like a master class on voice acting. Oh, okay. I have friends who are directors. So I've had like my friend Brian Newton, who's the director, who's the director of like Rick and Morty and like Teen Titans Go and a bunch of and Rugrats and a bunch of other stuff. He's a good friend of mine. I flew him out from LA and like had him there to like do animation panels like how to be a director how to do animation so it's like edutainment and entertainment you know like and it's all with all these black folk in it <laughs> no, that's that's amazing yeah so it's amazing how you're able to like combine all of your all of your interest areas into one into one space um and, and you've been doing it for for 11 years so um, yeah this is this will be year 11 yeah yeah yeah, so like, so like in all in in the in the decade that you've been run, running JCon, uh, were there any any acts in particular that you know got like that blew up like after, from just from uh, being at your con, from getting exposure and meeting meeting fans, like any artists or any works that kind of just like started started with like uh, some some visibility, but then just just grew in popularity as a result um, of being involved. In there's been different people voice actors like i knew some like indie voice actors that put on the you know main stage as a big guest that have you know gotten like a lot of stuff um there have been music acts that uh, that started or either started at j1 or have been around but once they got to j1 they they now appealed to this whole new audience of like nerds who now are like, yo, they're awesome. And then other conventions have seen them and had them at their conventions. And like, I always, my convention's focus is always trying to, I want to give light to like the indie people because I had a hard time fighting to get where I am. Mm. And I want to use J1Con as a, a place or even J1 Studios place to get people more spotlight because like these big cons won't do it you know what i mean and they yeah. won't even half of them won't even even if they have you at their event they won't advertise you unless you're like an a-lister mm-hmm. you know so i'm always about like giving people shine like that's what i like to 
give people those opportunities. And that's exactly what it should be all about, too, because everybody everybody has to start like somewhere, you know, and especially like we like we as a community should be like using our platforms to help elevate other people so they can have platforms and they can do the same and just create that domino effect of like just helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I try to do that by networking with other conventions and my other creatives. I've given a lot of indie comic artists, you know, I put them on the on like on the signs, like this artist is gonna be here. There's, you know, amazing artists and then next thing you know, people go see their work and they're like, Wow, they really are or you know, when they see them at the con, they're like their popularity builds and I, I just I'm always about giving the opportunities, you know? Yeah, so uh, so who are some of the like your favorite uh, indie artists indie artists that you you know either had at the con and just enjoy having enjoy working with like whenever you just like whenever you're when you're organizing J One Con for one year like okay this person has to come back um, like every year uh, definitely like Heroes for Hire they're an awesome hip hop group and they do like nerdcore music. Um, one of one of the because uh, they're a duo. One of them was actually the head of sound team, the head of the J One Studio sound team who make those remix albums. Okay. Um, then you have different people like that. I didn't make them popular or anything like that, but like I have favorite acts. You know, like um, the Stereo Titans are awesome. They're an amazing rock band. Like. One of my favorites. Uh, there's this industrial group, uh, uh, Lust for Nothing. Um, they, they're awesome. I, I've had Mega Ran on um, at J1Con. I've had him at events even before J1Con started. Yeah. I would have him at Mayhem Madness, our gaming event, and he would be one of the musical acts. And we actually had made a deal and signed up a whole thing, and we I, we ended up working together, and I make the comic, like the manga for the Mega Ran, like the Mega Ran comic. It's called Mega Ran Random Lyricism. It's like a rap battle street fighter comic. I would love to have Mega Ran on the show. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a nice get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, just, I'll just call him. Ask him. Okay. All right. <laughs> you, you ain't got to tell me twice. <laughs> so, as a matter of fact... Actually, you can see him in the middle of the J1 Studios banner, hmm. like, up there. But it's hard to see, but it's the black guy in the middle. Oh, okay, yeah, I see him. <laughs> and then here's the comic. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love this stuff. I love that style. Hmm. Mega Rand Random Lyricism. Okay. Well, I, I, I always wanted to do different stuff. Like, when I started the company, I, I knew every company had a mascot. Like, with Capcom, it was either Mega Man or Ryu. Yeah. For Nintendo, it was Mario. You know, sometimes Link. Um, yeah. I wanted to do one for J1 Studios, but I wanted to be different. Because one thing I didn't see that wasn't prevalent anywhere, especially... 
in like the Japanese subculture was a black woman as a main character. Mm. So then I, I made the J1 girl. And the J1 girl was the mascot of the company, and she was a black girl, and she was just the face, you know? Like, you know, you go on the landing page, it'd be a, a drawing of her, like, hey, welcome to J1 Studios. Oh. And then enough people were like, make a comic. And I was like, okay. So then I made uh, <laughs> Super Bounty J1. And That's really I so need to buy, I need to buy some of these. <laughs> So then, technically, like, there you go. Like, there's the first, like, black anime girl, like, you know? <laughs> like, I love it. So, moving on to the main me. character. There's been, trust me, there's other black anime characters yeah. before mine. But none of them had, like, the main character, like, lead space like that. Right. Especially in the American market. Like, it wasn't anything that you could probably pick up here so i was like why not yeah so uh what games are you playing right now (laughs) when you actually have time to actually sit down and play some video games (laughs) you're making all this stuff you don't really have time i tried to i tried to make time and i was really hyped for god of war so i bought god of war I played like an hour and a half of it. It's awesome. It um, is. <laughs> but I also have two kids. I, I just had uh, uh, my second son, uh, Miles. So, you know, he's what, four months now? And then Jonathan Parker is now three. Um, going with the whole theme, if you notice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and. Other than that, game-wise, there was I mean, every now and then I play... I'm playing... I was playing Dawn of the Monsters on my Switch. Because I'm big into kaiju. Mm-hmm. And that was like a kaiju beat-em-up. And it's really good. It's okay. really... It was so good. I'm at the last boss. and But then... Conventions, new baby, yep. all this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. I got a three-week-old. I have a three-week-old. So... <laughs> Yeah, everything stops. Like yep. everything stops. Yeah, not not as bad. Not as bad. At least like my trip, my trip to to uh, Jersey and Philly this weekend was planned ahead of time before she was born. So right. So yeah, like I, I, I I'm doing all those kind of things. Um, other games, I, sometimes I pop open my retro games, or I go back and play an old game. Like I love Naughty Dog. So, I don't know if you noticed, I have, like, the Uncharted 4 poster. Great game. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Uncharted fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a custom-made Uncharted hoodie that's behind Spidey. I have Drake's journal. Like, I have all the soundtracks. I have every version of the game, of all the games. Mm-hmm. So, when they made the remake... On the four and on the five, I just bought them all, <laughs> playing them, and I beat them every time. And it's the same story, but I love these games. Yeah. I even have like a Drake Pop figure over there. Yeah, part four is one I can play repeatedly. 
Yes. Like I, I just, I just beat that one probably like two months ago, and then and just to kind of hold me off until God of War comes out, and then, yeah, now I'm actually gonna whenever, whenever Jasmine lets me, I'm gonna play. I'm actually gonna do like Horizon Forbid, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, and oh, and Forbidden West. And Forbidden West. I have, I have game. both of those games, yep. but I don't play them. Right. Those are for me. Those are for my wife. She plays those games. <laughs> I, she plays Assassin's Creed. She plays that. So I've bought her every version of those games, Gold Edition, all that stuff, mm. and just watch her play them. And she plays all the like the Shadows of Mordor and all those games. She 100%ed those. I'm just like, I'll watch you play those. And just... yeah. But the Spider-Man games, you just stop what you're doing. and it's Yeah, just... that, 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 and like... Stuff like King of Fighters, okay, and Street Fighter, like, and and any any Naughty Dog game that's like Uncharted or Last of Us. Have you watched the show? Yes. Have you finished the I, show? I I love the show because I I'm really into Last of Us. Like, I have the soundtracks for that. Mm-hmm. I have every version of those games, even the remasters. <laughs> like, I have I've played them over and over and over. And actually, one of the songs in there is the bedtime song I sing to the boys. Put them to sleep. Oh, I don't have to do that. Nope, that's so your I thing. Say, I, can't I, I, I sing. I, I, I sing as well. Yeah. So I can't. I can't steal that from. I can't steal that from you. We I'm gonna have to find another so, another song for my daughter. But it's a song that uh from part two that. Ellie learns and then sings when she gets the guitar. Do you did you play the second one? Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, Wayfaring Stranger is like a um, Johnny Cash song that like it's a little altered, like their version of it. Yeah, yeah. I love that song, and I love the show because they they did it so well. They like I know the game. All the way through. Right. Yeah. Like, I can give you dialogue, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, that bad. And even the opening scenes, like, they changed one or two little things. That that was fine, because it makes better sense for a show than a game. Yeah. But even the camera angles, when she gets into the truck and they're driving, and I was like, yo, oh my gosh, this is exactly the truck. Wait, is is there going to be a house on fire on the left side? And then she turns and there's a house on fire on the left side. Like, oh my gosh, that means there's going to be that family on the right. That's going to ask to get in the truck yep. and they're going to say no. And, and then there's a the family right there. Right there and there. Like I was sold. And even the music is the music from the game. Like I was like, they, yo, they nailed it with this one. Their clothes is the game. The clothes from the game. When she, when, she meets Bill when they get to Bill's house and she has a red shirt on with the faded like sunrise thing. Yep. That's the exact shirt that she has in the game and it's faded the exact same way. I'm like, yo, y'all tripping out here. Like <laughs> I, and they even got the actors from the games to play in roles sh- in like Marlene is played by, by Marlene. Marlene, yeah. yeah. But they they had Finish it. um mm-hmm. Kathy's like second in command, her general was played by the. There was a dude, the big dude with the long gray beard, like the long. Yeah, gray beard. yeah, I remember. That's that's the voice of Tommy from the game. Was it? 
Yeah. And they also um, put in, uh, whatchamacallit? Troy Baker. Uh, Troy Baker was working with, uh, uh, not David. Uh, uh, I forget his name, but the religious, the religious, the, religi uh, the cannibal. Yeah, the, the cannibals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's... I don't know. That scene with the okay, they did it exactly like the game where the the, the place is on fire. Yep. And like she had to hide, hide yep. and be careful about making noise because in the game you had broken plates on the ground. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so and if you stepped on the plates, he would hear you and come running and attack you. Like I was like, yo, yo. And then when she stabs him, and then when she's like grabs the machete and just like. Yo, it was even, spot even the time on. jump was right. Like it was snowing outside, and and, and Joel was in the garage, like yep. the basement garage. Yep. Like even his blanket yep. that she put on him was the exact same blanket from the game. Yeah. Like I'm I'm weird like that. Like I was looking at every little thing. Even I was like, all right, is she gonna get a deer? And she got a deer. And then, and then had to like make a deal with the dude to like the, the religious dude to like swap to like trade off half. I was like, bruh. Yeah. Even, even some of the even the dialogue was the same. Yep. Oh, yo, I he, was tripping. Even the left behind DLC, they yes! added that in there. Yo, when that when they showed her, I was like, yo, this is a DLC. And, and my wife's seen me play the game a million times. She's yeah. like, oh, yeah, with the, with, the, with the girl, the black girl, right? Like, I was like, yeah, this is the DLC. Yep, yep. my girl but, was uh, invested in it. She was invested into it as well. And she's just like, that's exactly how they did. Like, like I'll be watching the show. I'm like, is this the game? Nope, this is the show. Yeah. Like, she, but she would barely be able to tell the difference. And even the locations. Yeah. And some of the stuff you had to do in the game... They did it in the show. Like, they had to block off the one door when they were in that weird, like, museum hall when they saw a clicker for the first, like, up close yep. for the first time. Yeah. They had the one door that was hard to get through because, like, a bookcase or something had fell over to block the door so they couldn't get through it. And, like, even when, when, even truck, even Bill's truck was the same truck. Like, man, I was... Mm -hmm. Best the magazine, the book of puns, like the, yeah, that that's probably the best one. That's the best live, like when it comes to live action, that's the best live action adaptation. Exactly. Of a, of a, Finish it. I will. Fantastic. Right. Like, and season two, they already did a, a teaser poster, and I didn't see that. Well, I I, I get these kind of things, so. <laughs> And it's a muscular hand, and it's oh, heavy. I'm like, they're yeah, gonna do it. <laughs> they're gonna do it. They're gonna do part two. Season two. I was like, the only way this show could last, because even when it first came out, I was, Danae, my wife was like, it's two games, and I was like, yeah, they're either gonna do two seasons. Or they could do four seasons and break up seasons one and, and into yeah. like game one into season one and two, and then do the same thing with part two. Yeah. Three seasons are possible 
because season one is game one. Yeah. The first half of Ellie's season, story. Season yeah. two is the first half. Yeah, Ellie's Ellie. story. And then you play Abby's story. Yep. For that season, that could be season three. It's possible. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. I, I love part two. That last battle in part two. It, it was Which like, one was, it? was that? No, because the one in the in water. The, that was in the water. The water was the final battle, right? Yeah. Okay. That was, that was, that was great. It was gritty. Like, do you think HBO will probably need to lighten it up a bit? Because if they part already two did that gritty. one scene, the hardest scene in the in that game series was the fire, the the burning building scene. Yeah. That was the edgiest scene. But you know, but part two is so is a much more edgier game. Like a, it's a very like depressing game. It's very gritty. Welcome to Last of Us. Like you know, <laughs> I'm okay as long as they keep it like that. I'm okay with it. Okay, and another thing too, and you mentioned your attention to detail. When we watch Dungeons and Dragons. The cameo, like I wouldn't, I was, I never played the game. I never, I never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I wouldn't but have noticed that, that cameo was from the cartoon, right? That, as you pointed out, I wouldn't have noticed that until I, I, like somebody had out. told me. I freaked out because the first time they showed, you just see him like way in the background, right? Like when the games first begin, I was like. Yo, no, that can't be. Is that? And then they showed them like run past them in the mail. I was like, yeah. Then they showed them again behind them. I was like, I'm done. I'm, it, I'm, 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 and I'm that was surprise. And I was telling Vic before we went on the air. That was surprisingly a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm posting my review in the next couple days. Uh, between that and John, I have to. I forgot to put up my John Wick one, so I got to put that up too. So, have you seen that one yet? Not yet. I'll, oh. I'll try to see it this weekend. Go see it. Go see it. Leave now. Go see it. <laughs> I have the first three films and I've and I love them. So I know I'll it, like this this next one. Go see it. Like I, I think this is my this is my favorite action movie in a long like in this is my my favorite action movie. <laughs> like, Damn. Nice. I love action movies. Like, I didn't get this kind of hype since I saw the last two movies where I came out hyped like this was, the, like, the first Matrix and Endgame. Like, yeah. I was, like, literally that, sitting valid. on the edge of my seat just like... That, ah! That's valid. That is valid. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll, de I'll definitely it, see it. It's almost three hours long, but it, you don't even feel it. Mm. You don't even feel it. Yeah, that's that's the best. Like that's when you can tell a movie's like well paced. If a movie's that long and it doesn't feel like its length, yeah, that's when you're on the right track. Yeah, the only reason why I knew ahead of time how long it would be, but it didn't even feel it. Like not at all. Mm. Nice, good to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll carve time for it this weekend for sure. You need to. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's WrestleMania weekend. We got a lot going. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, are you a wrestling fan at all? Yeah, I, I used to be heavy into wrestling. Uh, nowadays, not so much. Just time. Like. Yeah, you busy. I, I yeah. I'm always working on something. Like, see, my my voice booth is right there. Like, I got prototypes of games everywhere. I'm working on. Uh, I thought I was busy. <laughs> I got I got four graphic novels. I gotta get back on and finish writing and drawing. Holy shit. Um, three, well, one, finish writing and drawing. Three, I need to start because I'm doing reboots. Of your graphic novels? Yeah. Why reboots? Um, well, Super Bounty J1 was just a one-issue, one-off thing because I made it because the fans wanted me to make a comic for her and... I didn't really plan a story. I literally made it up week by week. Yeah. And I wanted it to be silly and weird and whatever, and I would just read the previous page and be like, so what happens next? Hmm. And I, I wouldn't even think about it. I was like, I'll just make this happen. Right. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? Once I ended it, I was like, I need to tell a real story. Because, like, in my head, I had an actual story that I could tell. Gotcha. And then Angel Savior, I want to reboot and tell the proper story. It would be two graphic novels. Yeah. So one question that Vic uh, tends to ask, like our uh, create, uh, our guests who are also creators, like how would you handle like writer's block? Oof. Um. Sometimes just playing a game or watching an anime or watching a movie, you know, go back and watch the stuff I loved, the stuff that inspired me. Like I'm a big, I love street fighter. I love like Capcom. I love SNK and all that stuff. Yeah. So, and like, I love like Masami Abari. He's like one of my favorite anime, like directors and animators. So I have like, I made the, the print out these posters of Street Fighter, the movie. That's like my favorite rendition of the the franchise is Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. I remember that. Um, with the Japanese music. The American one they first brought over here, Sony just slapped on some top 40s and I you hate kinda, it. Yeah, you kind of, you just got, you have to go, go old school and like find the original like tape trading. No, I, well, here's the thing. I met up with and I started networking with the guy who pretty much was one of the first started one of the first like dubbing companies yeah. and he happened to he worked on like Ghost in the Shell his studio worked on like Armitage 3 Ghost in the Shell Street Fighter 2 like all this stuff and he told me he was like well you know we went back and actually made an English dub with the actual proper theatrical Japanese music. Oh, wow. So I have the soundtrack and all that stuff. Down there is the actual original 90s like design books for Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Yeah. And it'll the motion picture for, like from Japan. Those are laser discs of both movies up there. Remember like those? I have these movies <laughs> on every format from VHS to DVD, laser disc, Blu-ray. <laughs> I love these, and I have the soundtracks for both. Um, he was like, "We put out one just recently, mm-hmm. 
uh, at the time, I thought it was like a couple of years ago, like, he was like, we put out one of Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, with English voices, but with the Japanese, like, sounds and soundtrack. Right. So that's the Blu-ray one that's out now. And I went on Amazon, like, boop, bop. And it, and it is. And I was, I, that's, like, my perfect version. I, I wanted, I like the English voice actors. I just wanted the proper music. Because that was yeah. part of the storytelling. Gotcha. So, like, I like it. Give you an example. Uh, the Chun Li versus Vega fight. Yeah. She was listening to the radio, and Guile was in his car listening to the radio, and it was the same song. They were listening to the same song at, at the time. So, like, and it was like this. Like almost like a love song, like a sad love song. Yeah. And it was supposed to show that this is like an elegant fight. So when they brought it over to America, Sony just slapped on like some Alice in Chains or some nonsense like that. And like, I'm not saying I like Alice in Chains, but it just, he was listening to something, the news report, and then she was listening to like rock music. And I was like, no, that wasn't, there was supposed to be like a, 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 a synchronicity about it. Like, he was listening to a song that she was dying to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he was racing to her house because he had called her and then the phone knocked over and he could hear her being attacked. So, you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. was supposed to be, like, a whole thing. And I was like... And then it just kind of, yeah, and then adding the Allison change just kind of, like, I don't want to say ruined it, but... No, to me it did. Oh, because it like it was supposed to be like this whole thing like that was woven together, but he's listening to like the news <laughs> yeah. and like she's listening to rock music. Like what? Like they don't work. Yeah. Now with the with J Wan Con, is there any plans on like expanding it or is that something that you wanna keep in Philly, like for Philly, by Philly? Well, in 2018, I moved it to Jersey. Oh, okay. I, I moved it to Atlantic City to the showboat uh, because I kept getting screwed over by different venues and stuff like that throughout the years. Yeah. Because they still didn't understand the idea of black nerds gathering together in their venue. Yeah. So people thought it'd just be like a thug convention. And literally, I've had someone actually, like, question that, like, one of the venues. And I'm talking about, like, these hotels, like, major hotels. And they're like, ooh, this is like, like a bug convention? I was like, no. no. Happy black nerds and <laughs> dressed up as their favorite superheroes and cartoon characters. What? Like, <laughs> you know, like, your, the Comic-Con that comes here every year? It's... That Just imagine a little bit more black kids. There's still gonna be white kids there. Don't yeah. worry. There's gonna be some more black kids. Like they're like ah, and they would either if they used me, they screwed me over different ways, or financially screwed me over. All kind of, enough where it made the papers. Wow. And because this was known after a while as like a Philly event that was created by this, you know. The, this nerd of Philly, you know, and 
Bart Blatstein, who had at the time had just recently bought the showboat, he, I guess, saw it in a paper or something like that, had his people contact me, and then he had a meeting with me in person. Like, he showed up for the meeting. Wow. To, like, he was like, I, I came with a whole presentation trying to be professional. And he was like, stop. I know who you are. What can we do for you? And that was the first time I heard something like that. Like, I was just like, what? And he was like, stay at the hotel, put you in one of like, the big penthouse suites for a few days, bring your family, all that stuff. Just look at this, the property and all that stuff. And what if we gave you, a, how do you feel about 100,000 square feet? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I I don't know what to do with a lot of that, but I'll make something happen. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how I was. I'm gonna make something happen, and you know, ever since like yeah. 2018, I've, I've kept it there. We're gonna have it again this year, and this time around, I'm really psyched because they actually built a convention hall for us. Oh wow. Right on. Like, I mean, it's not as big as the hundred thousand square feet because that was he just gave me the whole first floor of the hotel. It was just like go wild. Yeah. And I was like, what? Because it used to be a casino, but it no longer was a casino. It was just a hotel, and then like, so it was all the space. He was like, do something in there. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Now, I'm actually gonna go there tomorrow to record. A walkthrough. I normally do walkthroughs when I get a new venue and show what like my ideas for the spaces are. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's about to be a thing. Like so dedicated convention hall. Like I've never actually had a dedicated convention hall. We've used restaurants, warehouses, like old old clubs, like all this stuff. Wow. Wow, this, and when is J1 Con this year? I haven't announced it yet, but I'll tell you here. Uh, November 3rd through the 5th. Please don't tell me that's not the same thing. Mm, I think it is. Yeah. Good. And that might, those dates might fall under uh, Rhode Island's. Yep, Con. that's why I'm yeah, like. Don't, don't worry about Rhode Island. They got enough money. Support the is. black movement. I, we we just have previous like commitments with them, so it's like. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, it's the same exact. Time. It's the same exact time. Uh, I'll say. Well, at, at this point in the year, it remains to be seen. So who knows? Yeah. I know, I know, uh, I know, because once I, when I found out about it last year through, uh, Dan, that is, um, on the Starting Fire podcast, like, that was when I first heard of you, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, I'm like, yo, this sounds so dope, how could I be a part of this? Then we was already, like, locked in for Rhode Island Comic Con, so, so, yeah, as of right now, it does remain to be seen. <laughs> Look, I, there's, like, I usually have to move... Like, I've had the convention at different dates. Like, it used to be in the summer back in the day. But I didn't want to be in the mix of all the summer ones because people would be like, well, I'm going to just go to this one instead and this, that, the other thing. Because, you know, we're, 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 just, we're just a little black con that just, you know, does our thing, have our fun, make our magic. Right. 
then I moved my convention to the fall. There weren't any fall conventions. God. So I was sitting there all alone, just, hey, everybody was coming out. Then I noticed everybody realized that fall was a good time. So that everybody started moving their cons to the fall. I'm like, you got uh, to be. It's true. Yeah. It, it seems, yeah, that seems to be a thing, you know. Like, you know, New York has the first weekend of October. Rhode Island's the first week of November. Um, like, I'm noticing, like, the, like the fall just happens to be, like, trendy. You up? It used to be the summer. Yeah, right. And I purposely moved out of that way because I was like, look. I, I don't have a lot of money to make these things. I do this literally out of pocket. We take mm. our, like, I take our savings. We don't have sponsors. Never had sponsors. No? So, like, we've had, like, smaller sponsors. We've had sponsors that gave us small things. Like, here's a gaming chair you can give away. Or here's some lanyards. Or here's, like, a movie you can show. You know, stuff yeah. like that. But not, like, all these big cons who have these, like, contracts with, like, major companies who are just throwing like millions of dollars at them so all these years i i literally take our family savings out and i spend it on the con and then hope we make the money back through vendor sales and ticket sales yeah stress yeah yeah this is very and i must love this industry if i'm willing to do that every year for the past 10 years like yeah, I'd say you, I'd say you've been uh, been pretty fortunate then, you know, to still definitely to still do it a, a decade in, still have your savings, yeah, still can draw from it and run these cons, yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd say yeah. you're pretty fortunate. I would like to get a sponsor because now I have, we got the house, we got the the kids, we have like <laughs> this, is all, this is all a lot now, so. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but with the connections that you that you've made, like you you you'll definitely have them. Kind you of think that? I have connections where I can get like dope things to happen. Like we've had great guests. We've had, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We've had all that stuff. But sponsors. I have I have that much faith in you. I could see it possibly happening because now black nerds are trendy. Yeah. And that's only started in, like, 2017. Honestly, that's when black nerds started to become trendy. You know, so on a public, and I'm talking about on a public, as much as everybody's saying, oh, black nerds always run, stop it. Like, because when did a lot of blurred things happen? The term blurred didn't pop off until, like, like, 2017. Yeah, that's my DJ moniker, actually, the super blurred DJ, just... And when did you come up with that? When I started DJing. Started when I was probably about, yeah, six, seven, yeah, about six, seven years ago I added that to my name. Yeah. Yeah. This this wasn't a term. That that, that term wasn't even a thing. Right. You know, let alone seeing on social media now all these black cosplayers and like these black kids doing all this anime stuff and all this cosplay you know what i mean like yeah so hopefully being the longest running black owned anime convention in the country i'm trying i started pushing that only last year because people were like you need to like say that now i'm like all right well back then you said that 
you weren't getting loans and stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, but now that they see that you're 10 years strong, yeah, you need to let them know, like, listen, this is what I'm doing and this is what's growing. This is something you're going to you're gonna want to get into. Yeah, support the black dollar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the black dollar is powerful. I it mean, is. the Black Panther proved that. Yeah, it did. You know, so let, let's let's hope. Let's hope, uh, you know. Because we even had the networking summit for POC podcasters and streamers every year at J1Con called the Blackfinity Gauntlet. Yeah, Dan did that. I listened yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? Uh, yeah, oh, feel man. that guilt. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Wow. Yeah, man. We could. Yeah, we could certainly. We could. We could certainly uh, uh, continue this conversation. I know that we're. Well, you know, we're 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 kind of we're kind of running running towards our towards the end here. So, uh, you know, we just want to be you know be respectful of your time, and you know, we've got we've got a lot of stuff on our plate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Uh, any any other any last uh, uh, parting parting words or, or gifts of uh, nuggets of wisdom that you can give. You know, fellow uh, blurs out there who may want to do something similar to what you're doing in the sense of like establishing like a, a nerdy nerdy events that can bring like communities together, or maybe maybe either something on the level of of of, of a of a JCon or even something just even smaller scale for like a neighborhood, for example. Um, always, and I, I I when I do you know talks and stuff like this, I always tell people. When you start a business or a brand, start it as low cost and low, quote unquote, quality as possible. Mm. Just like, because wherever you start, that's in the public eye, that's your bottom. So if you can't maintain that for a year plus and you start to dip down, people will see that as a loss because that's where your bottom is. So you've gone below their expectations. I started J1 Studios bare bones and simple as possible so that any slight improvement that I made always looked like a come up. Mm. And when people see that throughout your, you know, your years of doing it, they're like they'll see, "Oh, they're growing, they're getting better, they're improving." You'll you'll get a fan base that'll stay strong. Because they're like, I was there in the beginning when it was nothing and all that other stuff. So you'll get that family-style loyalty. And on top of that, it'll be easier for you to maintain. Because I've seen like businesses that friends have had and all that stuff where they started glitz and glamour heavy. Like, boom, like, like they were like a top-tier company. But financially and physically and mentally, they couldn't keep that up. So after a while, it started to fall off mm-hmm. until it, until it's gone. And then you are become a thing like, you remember that thing? And uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least now, there's people I've run into who go like, yo, you were my first convention. Like, I see these people all the time at bars and different places, and they're like, thank you for even starting this. And like, this has been happening recently, like this past like couple of years. And people are like, oh my gosh, 
you're you're the reason why I even go to conventions now. You're the reason why I cosplay. You're this. You're that. And just create something simple and something that's manageable and invite as many people. Don't expect it to blow up right away. You're going to start off with 30 people, 20 people, and then it's just keep being consistent and it'll grow on its own. And that goes with anything from social media to comics to games to conventions to festivals to whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And uh and yeah, so yeah, well uh yeah, that's something to think about. We'll I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. It's a good way to uh good place to end it. So uh yeah, once it, once again, man, um yeah, thank you so much for you know joining us uh, for this week, Jason. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll definitely have you back on. Oh, it's not. Yeah, the door is open at this point now. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a listen. I always got a ton of stuff to promote and and talk about secret things I'm working on, all that kind of stuff. Ooh. Like this coin, but I'll, I'll tell you about it afterwards. Yeah, all right, and yeah. <laughs> And yeah, before and before we uh, before we wrap up, uh, Jason, can you yeah tell the good people where they can find your work? Uh, you can go to j1studios.com, and that's our new site and our site for where you can re- read our comics, buy our comics. We have merch, we have games, we have music you can download. There's free stuff there. There's stuff you can buy, all that fun stuff. And then you know you can find us on. Twitter, Instagram, on Instagram and TikTok, we're official J1 Studios. And for J1 Con stuff, you can find everything just under J1 Con, like the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, all that stuff. Nice. And on our Instagram, we have link trees. We have link trees you can find where all that stuff is collected. Yep, um, I'm on the site right now. <laughs> right on. And uh, and as for us, you can find uh, all of our episodes. We're 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 live every Tuesday, Tuesday night around 8 p.m. ish Eastern on Facebook Live. You can find the audio episodes of our of our um, of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts. Just Google us, search for us on the inter- interwebs. We're pretty much there. Um, we're also on uh, social media on Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast. And Twitter at Codex Primecast. Yes, and also you can catch us. Uh, you can catch us. Well, me this Sunday at Moonshine Alley for the uh, WrestleMania, for the you know for their WrestleMania watch party, and also uh, with the special guest, uh, for, uh, Tough Enough's winner, former WWE star Maven, will be there, and I'll be hosting a uh, Q and A for um for Maven as we do a watch along of his uh, WrestleMania 18 match. It's going to be drink specials, so definitely get there. Get there early for the meet and greet. It's going to be a good time to, to be had by all. Nice. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, once again, Jason, uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah, and thank you to everyone in the in the Codex Prime, uh, you know, comments and whatnot, you know, watching us, listening to us, supporting us. Uh, tune in next week same codex time same codex channel as always we will catch you on the flip peace out nerds later peace